Coming up next is going to be former tour pro and one of my all-time favorite guests and a longtime supporter of the show going all the way back to episode number three ever of this program, and that is Bob Friend Jr. Before I get to Bob, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX Full Face Wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arco's and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arco's Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Now next on the tee with me, and I'm honored to say this, for the 17th time, is obviously one of my all-time favorite guests, and that's Bob Friend Jr. Here's how special Bob is. He first joined me all the way back in Season 1, Episode 3, and as you guys know, this is Season 10 of the show. So Bob agreed to come on a show he never heard of with a guy he never heard of, and his appearance really helped get this show off the ground, which was a pretty great thing for him to do. For those who don't know Bob's background, he's from my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Played his college golf at LSU, where he helped them win the 1986 SEC Championship. Bob had 11 career top 10 finishes while at LSU. He won the Western Pennsylvania Amateur Championship in 1984 and 85, and the Pennsylvania State Championship in 85 as well. He turned pro in 1987, played on the Corn Ferry, PGA, and Champions Tours. He had five top 10 finishes his rookie year on the Corn Ferry Tour, including a second-place finish at the El Paso Open. Got his first win at the 1991 Fort Wayne Open. In 1998, Bob won the Panama Open and finished second in the Canadian Open. And over the course of his playing career, he finished in the top 10 27 times. In 2003, his high school, Fox Chapel, inducted him into their Hall of Fame. And if you're a baseball fan, you'll remember his father, Bob Friend Sr., who pitched in the major leagues from 1951 to 1966, mostly in Pittsburgh with the Pirates and was a key member of their 1960 World Series championship team that would go on to beat the New York Yankees when Bill Mazeroski hit his famous home run in the bottom of the ninth in Game 7. And I am privileged to have Bob back and next on the tee with me. Hey, Bob, how are you, my friend? 
Chris, I'm doing great. Thank you for the kind words. And it's hard to believe it's uh, been on here 17 times, but you do a great job. You're always prepared and I uh, always love talking golf with you. I appreciate that very much. So, Bob, it's been a minute since I got to have you on the show. Catch us up. What's been going on with you? Well, uh, you know, I, I stopped competing. You know, I'm still a member of the PGA of America. My status is I'm, reti- I'm a retired member, but I've been a member of the PGA for 31 years. And um, I competed this year for the first time since 2017. I've played in the Pennsylvania State Senior Open. They, were, they gave me a sponsor's exemption. They asked me to play. And I went over to Williamsport Country Club and I finished, you know, finished tied for fifth. I shot 70-72, which was even par, and missed the playoff by three shots. But I played pretty well first time out and competitively in six years. And as Bobby Jones always relayed, that there is golf, and then there is tournament golf. Um, But really, it's just uh, I run a very large office for Howard Hanna Real Estate Services. Um, Howard Hanna is the largest family-owned real estate company in the United States. And uh, we're across 14 states. We have over 14,500 agents. And I'm the manager of the Squirrel Hill office. I had a very successful real estate career for a few years. And Hannah asked me to become the manager of the second largest office in the state of Pennsylvania and the fourth largest out of about 450. So I am very busy with real estate managing over 60 agents in my office. I play, been a longtime member at Oakmont Country Club, now 51 years. And I'm very fortunate to have grown up there and still play my golf there. And, uh, Usually play about maybe once a week out at Oakmont and still, you know, I've, I've always kept a handicap and uh, my handicap is currently plus 2.6. Wow. So, yeah. So I'll usually shoot anything between 68 and 73. Unfortunately, I shoot more 73s than 68s, uh, but I still get, I still get around pretty well. And then, uh, you know, I've got three kids. They're all back here in Pittsburgh and, my youngest is uh, he's got a lot more talent in, in his little finger than I had in my entire body. He's 23 and he he hits it about oh I don't even know. I mean his swing speed's between 118 and 126 when he stands on it. Oh my! And, uh, yeah, he's he generates an awful lot of power, but it's effortless power. And uh, my daughter and my son came back from Spain and Montana, and they're all back here in Pittsburgh. So everything is good, Chris. So you mentioned Oakmont and Bob, I, I read in the Pittsburgh Tribune that Gil Hans is doing some restoration work out there at Oakmont. So when the U.S. Open returns there in 2025, they say it will require some increased level of skill to win. And I can't imagine how that golf course could get any tougher. What's he working on there? Well, here's the interesting thing. You know, Gil, we're very, very cognizant of the fact that, you know, you don't put a quote unquote mustache on the Mona Lisa. Um, so what we're, what we decided to do, first of all, you have to understand that in terms of Oakmont or any golf course, um, everything has a lifespan, such as bunkers. Bunkers have a lifespan of about 15 years. And then what happens is the drainage tile gets clogged up with airborne silt, airborne contaminants, footboard contaminants. Next thing you know, you get a quarter of inch of rain and every bunker turns into a swimming pool. So the bunkers needed to be redone. Uh, when you have around 200 of them, it's quite a it's quite a project. And our irrigation system is about 30 years old, and so both were in need of repair. And so Bob Ford, the longtime head professional there, reached out and talked to us. I was on the board at the time, and uh, he discussed with Gil Hans the possibility of coming and taking a look at Oakmont. Make a long story short, so what 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 Gil Hans has done is go go off of 1925 to 1938 
photographs of the club. Anything that happened at the club beyond 1938, he is not considering because that's when Mr. Mr. Phones died in 1938. And so what he's doing is it, it's very unique um, where he is taking a look at each individual hole during that time period and deciding at what point in that time period was the hole at its very best in design. And so what he has done is that he's added some bunkers. He has, he has uh, taken out some bunkers. He has increased some of the hit, the landing areas and decreased some of the landing areas. With regards to the greens, he never touched anything on the interior of the greens. But what he's done and going back to old photographs is that he has enlarged the greens around the edges and given us some hole locations that we have not seen at Oakmont in almost 80 years, 85 years. And so what we did was we closed the front nine and we played the back nine, two loops. And we play like the blue tees the one time and the white tees the next time. And so we played the back nine, and then on Memorial Day, he opened up the front nine. So we're able to play all 18 holes now. All the greens were done. We've had great weather. And so we've been playing on all 18 holes. On the back nine right now, we're playing through construction on some of the holes in terms of the fairway bunkering and the fairway work that they're doing. So the front nine is fully complete. There's no more work left to be done on that. And it is, it is amazing. He's lengthened some holes. Um, you know, he took the, the the third hole with the famous church pews on the left. He lengthened the church pews and he lengthened that hole by 40 yards. Uh, he's lengthened the fourth hole, par five. He's lengthened it by 40 yards. And he has put in a lot of the old bunker features that were there and also increased the amount of strategy. So Oakmont had over the years become very, very a corridor-esque. You know, every hole was basically straight. You had bunkers right, bunkers left. And when you go back and you take a look at these old photographs when Mr. Phones is alive, the fairways weren't like that. There was a lot more strategy involved. And over the years, as golf committees and golf chairmen have gone and, and, and tinkered with the golf course to a certain extent, the only thing that I can really say that is that over the years, they've never touched the greens. They are the original greens. So thankfully, somebody you know didn't get the idea to start changing those. But they really straightened the, the fairways and they straightened the corridors. And so now what you see is you see a little bit more serpentine flow in the fairways, which brings out a lot more strategy. And uh, the golf course is visually more appealing than it was, but it's going to be every bit as hard, if not harder than it ever was before. Because we're adding some length. But most importantly, we're, gonna, we're adding some hole locations where we've never seen them before and you know, the USGA and the PGA Tour, their standard used to be years ago, four paces from the nearest edge. Well, it's now three paces from the nearest edge. And so when you cut a hole location at Oakmont Country Club, three paces from the nearest edge and with a dry, firm condition um, with green speed starting at 15 on the step meter in the mornings, it's going to be it's going to be quite the quite the test for 2025 and beyond. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's uh, amazing that a, a golf course that was probably already the the toughest if not one if it's not one it's it's one a toughest golf courses on the planet to now add some length and make it a, even harder oh my goodness yeah Can't it's beautiful well, i tell you chris i told you last time we were on i will get you out there in 2024 so you can you can preview it so what we're going to do is that we are going to we're, we're playing on all 18 holes right now and then on the monday the, the tuesday after labor day uh we're going to close the back nine so the greens complexes can be done. So the fairway bunkering complex, the fairway bunkers on the back nine are being done right now, but we have to shut the, we have to shut the nine holes down to be able to do the extensive work on the periphery of each of the greens and the, and the bunkering around the grain complexes. 
We're going to open up all 18 holes in May of 2024, Memorial Day weekend, May of 2024. And you and I will figure the time we can get you up there, maybe the fall of 2024, where you can play. I look forward to that. I'm going to hold you to it, my friend. I'm in. I'm in, baby. All right. Bob, I've been looking forward to getting your thoughts on this proposed partnership between the Public Investment Fund and the PGA Tour. We know Jimmy Dunn and Ron Price were meeting with Congress today. Jay Monahan, Greg Norman, Yasser Auermeyer, they've uh, decided not to testify just yet. They had some other things that they had to do. Schedule conflicts, I think, is what they called it. But what are your thoughts? What do you think happens from here? Well, th- this is not surprising. You know, this was this was something that that it was inevitable. You can't have, you know, 20% of the best players in the world playing on one tour and not having access to the greatest tour in the world. I mean, there was this was going to have to give. You know, the, everybody is really kind of blaming Jay Monahan. And I get it. You know, he had these people, these guys, these players, J- JT, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth. Um, Tiger Woods, all these guys gave up enormous amounts of money to be loyal to the PGA Tour. And here you go. You're going to invite the guys right back into the fold after they left. I don't know what those details are going to look like, but this is what the scuttlebutt that I had heard is that um, the Live Tour, the guys, the top players playing in the Live Tour, were, were really kind of not pleased with the direction that the actual physical tournaments were taking. Um, I watched a couple of them. It was kind of hard to watch. You know, the idea of playing 54 holes, playing in shorts, music all over the place. Um, it really was one of those things where a number of the, the top players very quietly were like, this is this is kind of lame. And although they were making all this money, everything else, obviously no world ranking points were awarded. I think it was a big shot in the arm for verification, you know, when Brooks Kepka won the PGA championship. But at the end of the day, you knew this was going to happen in some form. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it's great for the game of golf. Um, I'm delighted to see and, and read that Greg Norman is being forced out, which he should. He's been a very disruptive figure in on the PGA Tour since the mid-90s. Um, I have some personal interaction with him. I'm not a big fan. I just think that he has had a burr up his rear end for the PGA Tour for almost 30 years, if not more. Um, A lot of those guys are like, yeah, we should have this very elite tour and, uh, you know, just take care of the the elite players. That's what he was always shooting for with the PGA Tour. But the fact of the matter is, when you take a look at it, you know, Greg Norman did not start start out as an elite player. You know, he had his first breakthrough at the 1981 Masters when Tom Watson ended up winning and he really burst on the scene. But, you know, just like every player that's trying to, you know, get their playing, uh, you know, trying to get their playing feet underneath them. You know, you need to be able to play in tournaments and compete against the best players in the world. So Norman had forgotten about that long time ago. He'd forgotten where he'd come from a long, long time ago. So I'm delighted to see that he is going to be out. Um, I know Jimmy Dunn. He's a very, very capable guy. Um, I trust him implicitly and explicitly. And um, it's all going to work out for the best. I don't know what the detail is going to look like, but I just think we need to get all these great players playing against each other in one spot. And I don't know if the team concept is going to go away. There's some people saying they might, PGA Tour might uh, roll that into, you know, the, the final format there, have some team events or whatnot. But I just think overall, I just think that um, this was inevitable. I don't blame Jay Monahan. I don't blame anybody. Um, but I just, I'm just glad to see that this nonsense is finally over. Cause I, I watched it and it's like, this is kind of, this is kind of lame to have these guys out there playing and, 
I'm an old school guy. I think that, uh, you know, when golf professionals compete, I think they need to be wearing slacks. I'm perfectly fine with professionals wearing shorts and practice rounds and it, when they're at their casual club. But you're out there representing the PGA Tour and you're also representing, you know, the corporations that are sponsoring you. I, just, I think you ought to dress like a gentleman and wear long pants.